Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a very special guest today, Jeff Depazzi, former JTF2 operator. I don't know how many people are going to know what that is in our audience, but you'll remember uh, a certain Canadian sniper team that I think killed a guy at over three miles or some shit like that or close to three miles, and that was then. That was that unit, right? Yeah, that's the unit, uh, similar to your SEAL Team 6 or mm. uh, CAG. Yep. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background. Obviously, you ended up in uh, a Tier 1 unit there in Canada, but what got you into the service in the first place? Um, you know, we all have different reasons for wandering down that path. Uh, mine was, I'm going to say now, but at the time, a uh, an attempt at service, service to my country, service to myself. And when I say service, uh, something along the lines of what your podcast, the essence of what it has, where you either stand by idly or you... Uh, in this case, volunteer to be part of something that may help push the pay stick forward or not. Um, that compounded with I had all the natural attributes to be an operator. I, you know, at the time that was very much in my DNA. I was uh, like not an extremist, like the word has been used a lot these days, but someone who who had a very reactive nature who liked to explore the edges of uh, human experience, you know. Um, climbing whatever, jumping off of whatever and driving it as fast as you can kind of stuff. And uh, that also meant inwardly mm. what it meant to push who I was inwardly, not just performance metrics, like how fast can I run? How high can I jump? But uh, really exploring those edges. And I'd say those were some of the guiding forces among the myriad of other things that lead someone into the forces, uh, into those realms. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it is true. Yeah, we all kind of get there in different ways. I, and there is this, um, It's I blame the movies. Hollywood is weird. Um, but you have this idea of like a fucking 6'3 Adonis, who's your tier one operator. But for the most part, they're like 5'8 to 6 foot. And they're endurance athletes and not power lifters. You know what I mean? Um, I think we've got, we get kind of the wrong impression about who that person is typically. But um I guess MGI Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, or Sergeant <laughs> Slaughter too, if you're a wrestling fan. Although he was just, uh, I think he was a Buck Sergeant, so that's not that great. Um, so, what have you been doing uh, since you left the service? What, what's 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 your goals been? I guess, and and was it? Um, I feel like a lot of people who get into the kind of work you're into now go through something of their own you know, some of their own problems with regard to transitioning back to normal life. And, and a lot of them find a way to turn that into a movement or business or something like that. Yeah. Um, so much to chat about just mm -hmm. in that one question. Uh, but it's, it's what I'm kind of here and living for. I had come to a point, Dan, and this is going to be like, Whoa, boy, this could sound hot, hot buttonish. Um, but I just felt that the military was actually not helping as much as it may have been hindering, keeping us a prisoner in our own systems and our own psychic pillars. Um, now, you know, like I said, that's that's totally up for discussion and it's more of an anecdotal statement. Uh, but when I left, I felt 
like a lot of people who leave those upper echelon organizations, they feel very isolated and alone. Um, and usually the course they take is they try to um, um, adapt the world around them as mm. not as much as adapt to the world that's around them, right? It takes a lot of time to make an operator. There's a lot of molding, a lot of being tamped on, hammered, dunked in the oil, you know what I mean? Forged over and over and over and over. And this, uh, this does things to your epigenetics. It does things to your physiology. It does things to your mind. And like you said, on the other side, you come out and in my case, it was like, okay, what would I do with these things? I don't want to work for the government. I don't want to be a contractor. So I have these unique skill sets uh, and where do I take them? And the direction I went was more with the human dynamics, human kinetics, uh, human optimization, um, human selection, and what that actually means beyond performance metrics. How do we take these tools and become more of our individual selves, seek our individuality, not be a, an individual um, separate from the greater collective, the more metaphorical collective, but how do we change? How do we root out our shadows and blind spots from the past, from childhood, uh, and find where we really sit in our own values? Um, because at the end of the day, we are actually all unique. You know, you are an atomic structure that is 100% unique for me. We have similarities, right, that overlap a little, like the Venn diagrams, um, but you're different than me. And what does it really mean to fully be you? And then you touched on something really interesting, um, the undoing process of being a soldier. Uh, people forget that there's a lot of stress to become a soldier. And then you experience a lot of stress. You experience things that are potentially difficult to process. So you suppress and you repress. And then on the other side, what happens, usually about two years after, um, you really start to change. You've already been struggling with identity issues and transition issues. Uh, not to mention, you know, I, there's some fucking crazy stats about how many soldiers get into drugs and heroin mm. and alcohol and those things. So the battle's already begun, but then PTSD style symptoms start kicking in where your survival mechanisms um, really go awry. And that happened to me. I was diagnosed with severe PTSD. And just luckily I'd been on this path already of discovering a concept that we use called post-traumatic growth, um, more to the point, intentionally facilitated post-traumatic growth, which just, if we think about PTSD as a low, as a battle in the underworld, um, post-traumatic growth is what we do, what we take back to the normal world or to the thriving world. Uh, one is an insecure state, one is a secure state, and then we can tuple on top of that uh, what we call a thriving state, where it means to be more fulfilled. And I think in the statement, the pursuit of happiness, that's what they were talking about. Becoming more yourself, being more fulfilled, not in a greedy way, not in mm. a, I get mine way, but I get to be me way. And what does that look like in a collective? So yeah, that read, led me down a lot of rabbit holes into different programming for, uh, for courses for people, mostly for men. Um, I, I started off very strongly. Well, I'm a man, <laughs> so mm. I kind of know a little bit more about that than being a woman. Uh, but men are, especially boys right now, but men are they're at a crossroads. We're in this evolutionary transition time. And it's like, okay, what does it mean to be a man these days? You know, we have these awesome tools, provide, preside, protect, persevere, pleasure, play. Um, but what does that mean layered on a world that has more feminine expression, you know, where children are different and it's changing, right? Our environment's changing. Um, our technology is changing us. So what does that mean? How do we 
look at that and still seek out our own um, greatest attributes, if you will. And that's where I finally, you know, you you came from hard times in the 82nd. They make you work for it, right? Yeah, it's not easy. Something that happens. Yeah. And then something happens, though, from that struggle, you know, there's gold that comes from it, too. You know, sometimes there's some shit and the shit can take a long time to reorganize in the mind. You know, it, it can be confusing and whatnot. Um, but there's something about struggle that is magical. There's no secret about that right now in the world. People are trying to figure out what that formula is. It's just why do we struggle? You know, what is the the common orientation that we can have? And those are some of the like cool little side branches just to give you some tangents if you want to tear away at those, sure, you know, yeah. cut away the cut away the the threads and open up the seams of some of these topics. Well, I mean, one one of it is the 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 easiest part to attack there is biological programming, right? And it's beyond the idea of just um, masculinity and femininity, as it were, or even societal pressures. This happens at every level of life, right? So grapes, for example, um, do better when they struggle on the vine because one of their one of the ways that they fight back against arid climates is to produce a sweeter grape, right? And that's why that's what we like. We're looking for that, right? So if you overwater your uh, grapes, you're going to get shitty grapes. Shitty wine, actually, is what I care about. I don't give a fuck about grapes, but um, yeah, it's 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 part of life, right? That that uh, we we like to think sometimes that the struggle is what defines us, but it's really not. It's it's resilience, right? It, it's built into to the evolutionary process to those that are resilient are going to flourish and those who learn how to be more effectively and efficiently resilient are going to be at the top of the class whatever the class happens to be um now for humanity we spend a lot of time thinking about that which probably is not the best idea to be honest but here we are so we gotta this is the environment we're in at this point there's no going you can't unring that bell for uh lack of a better phrase so one of the things you talked about is stuff in childhood now one of the most um one of the most common identifiers or one of the most one of the most common de- demographics that operators fall into tier 1 and tier 2 operators primarily fall into is that they had some kind of difficult childhood broken families abuse stuff like that it's not true for everybody but it is very common more so more common in that community than any other uh police or military or any kind of thing like that any kind of violent uh uh job so you mentioned, you know, just the, the post-traumatic stress and stuff like that. One of the things we've definitely overlooked in this whole process is how we have a very high commonality of, of childhood neglect and abuse amongst these people. And then it compounds, right? Once you, once you become an adult and no longer have to deal with those issues, but then you're developing new issues, it, it, you just stack them on top of each other. So we're, you know, again, yep. I think the, the first... The first couple of decades or so of trying to treat post-traumatic stress was event-based almost. It's like that we had this idea that a single or multiple traumatic events individually would combine together to, uh, uh, you know, and we've got these tropes of like people having flashbacks and shit. But the reality is, it's just prolonged exposure to heightened stress that changes the way your body operates. It fucks up the way your neural pathways work. It, it disassociate, disassociate you from some stuff. 
and then creates bad associations in your brain for things that are uh, more or less innocuous in everyday life, right? Things that might seem problematic mm -hmm. in a combat zone, but aren't back here, and then you don't know how to deal with it. It's much more complex and nuanced than we wanted it to be, unfortunately, right? And we, we behaved that way for a very long time. And now we're kind of seeing the fallout from that. We spend all this money and do all this stuff to try to prevent it and then treat it afterwards. But I mean, honestly, to some degree, I kind of feel like we've been throwing gas on the fire. Yeah, well, it's a runaway train that uh, no one is stopping to really look at it holistically. Mm -hmm. um, we're very much in the left brain era, you know, A to B, and that's just not the nature of the universe. So like, if you don't mind, I'd love to touch on a couple things there. You mentioned about biology and shaping mm -hmm. us. So uh, and there's a guy, his name's Lou, and he's a psychologist. His expression is personality plus environment equals behavior. And it's, it's like really like simplified, but the way the environment and the consciousness feedback loops shape you from even before you're born in utero. And I'm going to use the word epigenetics here, and I'll tie that into PTSD in a little bit. Um, begin right away, like you said, and then it starts this house of cards. Um, and then people's egos get in the way. That's the biggest challenge to adaptation. The ego is a very powerful survival tool, but there's one that keeps people caught in loops. Just like right now, um, you know, it's kind of hard it's not impossible, but it's kind of hard to argue that we aren't devastating the oceans and the forests around us, the very environment that sustains us, yet we keep going. We keep living out these patterns, right? That's because the systems we have created feed back into our non-serving mechanisms. And yeah, the childhood thing, there's a great study done by DARPA that shows that operators are able to metabolize cortisol faster. Hmm. Um, I believe that's an, evo uh, an epigenetic trait, not one that's in my DNA, it's one that's on my DNA. Um, and I use this exact process in my uh, courses where you encounter extreme stress, complex system adapts and becomes more complex. Uh, you use the word, you use grapes, you know, which you, uh, their stimuli are called tropisms. Mm -hmm. We work very much the same way. The issue with resilience is um, most people, you know, the way I like to say it, perseverance without insight is pointless. It's, a, it's, it's just pressing through to press through. And sometimes that works, um, but oftentimes it doesn't. And that's the difference with human beings. We have a prefrontal cortex that's able to weigh those um, feedback loops. We're able to weigh in on them differently. Just with things like PTSD or any stress disorder, we start losing those faculties. We go much more limbic. And that's where we run into a big issue. That's when I say the ego, where we have a thing called implicit bias, which are the patterns that run through us. Some people might call them stereotypes. Uh, usually stereotype is only like used for big things like, oh, yeah, that, that's a stereotype against that race or that's mm. a stereotype against that gender. But really, right now, you and I are running all kinds of stereotypes through our head that we're not even aware of. Our body's filtering out billions and billions of bits of information based on biases that we created in the womb, before the womb. Even in our DNA as humans, we have biases that are built in. But the thing is, we can fucking overcome these things. And that's like the realm of the real hero. Um, everybody wants to point the finger, right? That's the victim. The victim points the finger. The hero decides to take ownership and courageously starts to follow um, what, what I'll, I'll use the term heart, but I, I, you know, it comes down to more like your DNA or a soul or God or whatever. You know, it has much more depth than just like a simplified term like the heart. Mm. I think it even people start living from their right brain more so than the left. The world around us is very left brain, right? Light on, light off, light on, light off, follow this, follow that. That's a very left brain world, but we are actually 
denurturing parts of our brain and over nurturing parts of our brain. And it's creating a simplified world that's just, I, maybe I'll use the word convoluted, that's not really working. And what that does, feeds back in. Now kids are, you know, like phones and stuff are filled with haptics, basically mm. Pavlovian conditioning. And all these things are causing these strifes and struggles, you know, that um, we're kind of coming through, I think, the end of the chicken little generation where it's just like, ah, oh, the world is falling apart and it's this person's fault and it's that and it's this and the world's, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's look at the common thread and we'll start at the smallest unit, the individual. How are you, me, guilty of fucking you know playing at this party and keeping it going it doesn't take a lot to look at it and be like oh shit i'm i'm buying this product instead of that product i'm supporting this organization instead of that organization i'm i'm not rooting out my shadows i'm not seeing okay what from childhood uh isn't good for me right like it's pretty easy to see the pattern of like extreme sexual abuse turning into something mm. later on but it's it doesn't have to be that extreme energetic trauma like where your energy is distorted as a child as a teenager even as an adult doesn't have to be that dramatic like you said it can be a slow drip and it's relative mm. so you're in a combat zone for 12 months what does that do you know maybe because there's people who go don't even see a lick of combat or, or mechanics for example mm. um but the idea that a bomb could come in at any time is there you know, sure. every night they go to sleep, that bomb can come in. And you're That's, still like, I mean, people, people don't understand the practical effects of something like that. So when you, when your fight or flight mechanism is kicked in, whether there's what, what we might call real danger or not, the masculine approach to that is to get angry, right? I'm angry now. I'm ready to fucking fight. No matter if there's actually somebody to fight or not, sometimes it's just a bomb or a loud noise. Then you get back. Uh, to your home mm -hmm. country, you get back to your family and you hear a loud noise and now I'm pissed off for no reason, right? A book mm -hmm. falls onto the ground and now I'm fucking angry and my family feels that anger and you're talking about that energy. We've all been around people who just walk around fucking pissed off all the time. I've been one of those people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but I've been around them too. I grew up around that shit and it's, uh, it definitely has a measured effect on people. Yeah. And, and what's really cool about it is I'll use this guy named David Hawkins. He can, he's an American. He's passed away now, created something called the scale of consciousness, which he measured using applied kinesiology. And, you know, a lot of people, I roll at it, but it doesn't matter. It's the concept of it. That's true. And on one end, starting at zero up to a certain score, about 300 or so, you have fear-based emotions, mm. shame, guilt, apathy, desire, pride, anger and then what we'd call more like fear like a fight or flight kind of response you know like a really impulsive at a certain point um beyond pride he talks about courage and courage is that exact concept of stepping into something different and above that are love-based emotions neutrality acceptance uh peace love joy and they work towards what's called enlightenment which just means um it doesn't have to be like uh all esoteric it just means like i was talking about consciousness feedback loops as someone moves through their environment, they're very aware of how they're impacting that environment. They know that eating this food is going to do this to them. They know that the output is going to be this. If they interact with this person in this certain way, you know, if I, it's okay to be angry. That's a, our emotions are never wrong. It's our projections that fucking suck, you know, mm. because we go into automatic feedback loops, you know, we hit those implicit biases and then we display anger. If, if the world just like, had a little bit more love, a little bit more patience and wasn't so fucking caught up in survival mode because most of the world 
is in survival mode. 2.5 billion people don't even have enough food to step out of survival mode. You know, most people don't, let's just say you have your basic Maslowian needs mm -hmm. met. Most people don't really feel safe and secure. We're caught in this reality, what's called augmented survival, where you're never good enough. You could be complete if you buy this. You can be complete if you feel this way. You could be this, you could be that, you know? And what's happening, we're, we're seeing the pattern. More and more, we don't know our neighbors. Mm. More and more, we don't talk with our neighbors. More and more, the family unit's getting smaller. More and more, um, really healthy organizations are starting to dwindle. You know, we're, we're seeing like the, the, the juxtaposition of this as well. You know, I'm not all doom and gloom. You know, we're seeing good organizations rise up. We're seeing good organizations of any kind um take their swing at this but what's happening is we're in this we're, we're getting close to a precipice is what's happening and we know it everybody's knowing it right now that's why the, everyone's talking about it because as human beings we don't have to wait for the fucking asteroid to hit the earth you know we don't have to fucking hang jesus on the cross we can we can do these changes without going through the awful shit that's the advantage of being a human just right now it's it's fucking tough right because not everyone's on the trolley um there's a lot of people still in those fear-based patterns and um they're not taking ownership of themselves and and it's 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 simple because it is the scariest shit you will ever face you know i'm a combat veteran multiple multiple um encounters i like i said thirty thousand feet jumping out of a plane yeah okay it wasn't until i started fucking digging into my shadows that i was like holy fuck no wonder I couldn't face this shit, you know, and and some of it is trivial. You know, it comes from childhood and it's picked up from mom and it wasn't like fucking she was beating me or something mm. like that. It was just like a moment in time that it was like too much for little Jeff to handle and it distorts me. And that's what you mentioned. The word dissociation is where I dissociate from reality. And what happens is the more you as an individual, but especially as a collective disassociate from reality and pull apart, I'll call it ideality, your version of reality and reality as it sits as a collective the farther that is the more discord there is and the more discord there is the more opportunities for drama and people are addicted to drama right now um, i call it the trauma porn era mm. uh, when we were filming our doc uh, the dark night of our soul uh, we got exposed to all kinds of this stuff because we were looking for okay well how do we get out of it as a collective what's the so what how do we do this together um and it turns out it's really not all that hard. We just got to be human beings. You know what I mean? We got to meet our needs. We got to fucking get along a little bit better. Um, stop isolating so much and open up the conversation. Talking, just talking. And you know this because um, soldiers are great at putting things away and using irreverent humor to start to box it up. But didn't matter what intervention for PTSD, didn't matter, you know, it doesn't have to be full PTSD. It could be just PTS or, you know, a, a stressful encounter whether it was ketamine or ayahuasca or any other plant medicine, whether it was virtual reality or a fucking surfing trip, whether it was a doing a boot camp, whatever it was, the first thing they did was interact with another human being. Simultaneously, they engaged their prefrontal cortex. They set a goal. They walked towards that goal, you know, and that's what you do. That's, that's what we're doing a little bit um, skewed right now, in my opinion, because our value set. So we talked about like attention, right? That filtering of information that comes into someone right now, that's what we're doing. It'll run through your lower regions of your brain, just above the brainstem and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's, it's all anecdotal when it comes to the brain, it's sure. all statistical. But the idea is, is it runs through that. If it gets beyond that, it goes through your emotions and then it kind of gets processed there. 
But if it doesn't go up to your upper cerebral faculties, our neocortex, we're not going to come up with what's called open node thinking. We're not going to be able adding any value to our lives. And I, so I'm a Canadian, mm. but uh, you know, I've, I've helped evacuate uh, American servicemen off the battlefield. I've just for the first time paid taxes this year, um, applying for my residency. So I think I can, you know, I, I weigh in and on um, these things a little bit when I say like, that's what I really think the original ideals of the US was. So I mentioned Dr. Hawking's, he scored humans like Jesus and Buddha and Gandhi and whatnot. And they all obviously scored higher in the consciousness scale. They're able to absorb and properly navigate the world with less discord than others. He scored the Bible and, you know, uh, texts and movies and things that are, you know, like garbage. And then like movies that like resonate deeply on a very human level and whatnot. And one of the highest scoring things was the, uh, I can't remember if it was the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. Like, I don't really know the difference there, but it was exactly what those dudes were, I think, envisioning at that time, which was, you know, um, that pursuit of liberty, which is um, not really a, a Canadian word. So I, I would use fulfillment over security. Um, but it, I think it, it's that same essence. Um, yeah, just a thought. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by Ghostbed dot com forward slash drinking bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else 30 percent off if you use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros if you get the uh 40 off deal if you use the 40 off bundle deal you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff your base your sheets your pillows all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months at five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything, Use the code Drinking Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. This episode is also brought to you by First Form. Firstform.com forward slash Drinking Bros. The product they really want you using is the Micro Factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now, what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins. Uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little packet. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow, uh, probably with some liquid, preferably water. Um, they got all kinds of other great products as well. Uh, talking about those meat sticks, the breakfast sausage meat stick is the best thing I've ever had in my life. And of course, they have energy drinks. They've got all kinds of stuff over there. They got great protein, the best supplements on the market if you spend over 75 bucks you're going to get free shipping so go to firstform.com forward slash drinker bros and get those deals this episode is also brought to you by Babbel. right now get up to 55 percent off your subscription when you go to babble.com forward slash citizen if you have an upcoming summer trip abroad um, my go-to travel hack is Babbel. whether you're a seasoned traveler or embarking on your first adventure communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture that's where Babbel comes in Babbel's a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. 
And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers and not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and you can choose from up to 14 different languages. In addition, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent so you don't sound like an idiot. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, video stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash citizen. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's uh, the, the idea of... Um, we, we would, we would say, I guess that, um, liberty is necessary for fulfillment. Um, and you can see this throughout human history in all governments, the more central authority there happens to be in a, in a state or country or government at how, whatever, uh, whatever it is, um, the more individualistic approach people take for some reason. I'm not sure exactly why. I think it might be just like, a a social contagion of fight or flight where people start to look inward and they're more concerned about themselves than they are about everybody else. But, but when you see instances of decentralized or less government, typically what you're going to find are groups of people who care deeply about making sure the community is taken care of. And I think it's because people want to have responsibilities. That's one of the frightening things about leaving the military. I think you, you're, you know, you're in your, 20s or 30s and you're responsible for millions of dollars of equipment and other human lives and you're doing very dangerous things on a regular basis Uh and then you get home and it's like well i've got to mow the lawn now right and (laughs) it's difficult to it's difficult to to come to terms with that that my life has changed now because everybody you know maybe it is an ego thing but i think that ego exists for a reason it's to directly associate your it's to directly associate your identity as a human being with your purpose on this earth, whatever it happens to be, whether you're a protector provider like we would be or, or a nurturer like, uh, you know, uh, uh, most females are. You, yeah, if I could. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Dan, no, I was just going to go ahead. Well, I think the root goes back to fear based thinking. So just as a species, if we kind of timeline what we think we know scientifically and Darwinianly and reductionistly. We're only at this point because of what came before us, right? And it was mostly survival and fear-based thinking. But those psychic pillars exist within us. Because you said it, you, you like, liberty is needed for fulfillment. But what we're doing is we're actually giving up liberty more and more. Because one of our, basically, money is the, the driving force behind everything right now. And it is actually becoming more controlled by individuals, more than it ever has in history. We have richer humans than ever. And the more we do this, the more this insanity is going to continue. Um, and and here's, here's, the, here's the thing, like, until people know, so love-based 
just think of it on like a physical, like an atomic level. It's the attractive forces versus the repulsive forces. You know, it's like a fundamental uh, evolution of the universe expressing itself through us. Most people have no idea what it means to really love. And they don't because they think it's a childish word or the, you know, the hippie word or whatnot. Mm. But we've forgotten how powerful it is. That's how Gandhi stood down the British without really going to war. That's how, you know, Martin Luther King did his thing. That's how um, Nelson Mandela, that's how they do it with power, with a love based approach. And we don't have that right now. And what's happening is we're actually disconnecting more and more and more, which makes it scarier and makes the options less and less and less. And then you say uh, the, like a word like purpose. How the fuck is anyone going to actually find their purpose if they're in a fear-based state? If they're just struggling mm -hmm. to survive, even though they have a roof over their head, if they're in a survival place, they're not going to be able to root out their real values and backtrack that with the skills they have with their DNA. Because that's what happens, right? Usually by the time we're really asking the question, what is my purpose? We have... 20 30 years of baggage of other people's baggage of the human baggage that we got to like holy fuck you know like what do i do with all this when i also have to interact in the world and i still got to buy groceries and you know i like um it, it's just this this nice opportunity though because i think i think it's simple at the end of the day we, we overcomplify it all people have to do is really start discovering who they are and once that happens, they'll automatically raise their consciousness, which will automatically change what books go on their shelves, what shows they watch. Most likely they'll turn off most shows because um, most of it's garbage. Yeah. Um, and they'll tune in to other frequencies or consciousness levels that are similar. And that'll start a movement. And we just keep doing that. And yeah, it doesn't fix uh, the myriad of issues across the globe in one night. But what it does is it starts giving us the actual neural strength as a collective to really look at these issues in a healthier way instead of um like this this kind of rat race feel we got right where, where we know it's imbalanced we know it's not working we know these things and it's like okay well how do we courageously step out of these as a group and i just that's what i said you just start believing in yourself that's not an arrogant approach to belief you know that's arrogance and self-awareness usually don't go together um, they're not usually found hand in hand mm. so you start exploring yourself you know little things like sitting some quiet for a bit uh look at your maslovian needs are they really met are you eating hormone filled garbage food that's fucking processed are you eating drinking good water that doesn't have added chemicals you know to try to make it pure and filled with birth control juices and like you know what i mean like look at these things because if your physical body which is probably the f one of the I don't, I don't really like to do linear, you know, mm. like do this, then this, then this. I Usually it's layered, right? And it's non-linear dynamics that the universe runs on. But the body is the good place to start because it's easier than trying to figure out, well, what's my purpose? Well, fuck, man. If your body's not even really tickety-boo, and, and I don't mean like, you know, got to be uh, bench pressing 700 pounds or running the, you know, the four-minute mile here. I just mean, are you able to move through time and space in a healthy way without feeling sore, you know? Um are you able to nourish your brain so it has the nutrients to do this stuff? And then one of the big ones is sleep. Uh, kind of an interesting fact I like to just mention to, you know, would-be soldiers or first responders or those afterwards. If you go through a traumatic event, if you get into REM sleep that night, you're 70% less likely to develop PTSD. That's according to studies. Mm -hmm. And if you get into REM sleep the night after, not that night, you had another 40% chance. You know what I mean? Because what happens is DMT likes to sort our neural pathways out. It makes sense of this stuff. 
that's what making sense means. Meaning finding isn't necessarily doing it in a journal or a talking circle. You know, the the, the neurons have to actually fire. They have to disintegrate old pathways that don't work and mm -hmm. then add new ones that do work. Um, and it happens, you know, when you, like I said, you set the conditions for these kinds of things to happen. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest issue, particularly with um, with vets and and post traumatic stress disorder is. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we like to suppress and repress, um, compartmentalize how, whatever you want to call it, because there's still work to get done, um, which is true, but we also lie to ourselves quite a bit about it. You know what I mean? We try to, we try to, we try to moralize the act of suppression, which is fucking retarded, to be honest. Um, it, it's completely an, uh, antithetical to, to survival, to be honest, that we do that. I don't know. I don't know where that particular evolutionary trait came from, but um trying i i've found myself in this spot as well but I, and i'm sure this will resonate with a lot of other people um after all of that compartmentalization now you're faced with the reality that uh, as you mentioned before this military we've been a part of probably wasn't helping the world all that much to be frank right we were I, in, in my opinion i think we were doing more damage than we in a lot of cases than than, than we were solving and then trying to explain to yourself when you get home and convince yourself maybe why it was all worth it or whether it was at all is a big problem for people, you know, and that not, not having the right, uh, psychological, um, baseline, if you want to call it that, or be in the right frame of mind or have the right information to contextualize your service like that becomes a real fucking problem for people. I mean, it's, it is, uh, your, your brain is essentially a very, sophisticated machine that builds patterns and determines between threats and benefits, right? That's what it's made to do. And, yep. you know, no one wants to feel like an asshole. Nobody wants to feel like they've wasted their lives. No, And, and I'll tell you this, nobody will fight harder for a lie than people that have wasted their lives believing it. That is a, that's an absolute fact. That so, is the most energy anyone will ever expend yeah. is denying that those kinds of facts, denying yeah. themselves. Um, and they'll use drugs, mm -hmm. drinking, distraction. When I say distraction, anything that takes you away from feeling. So that could be a screen, that can be food, that can be drugs and alcohol, that can be uh, abusive sex, not like physically abusive, but just, mm. you know, using sex just to ignore what That's you're right. feeling. Yeah. Anything that does that, because we're supposed to process our feelings. Um, that's yeah, why, and, that's why experiential then, avoidance never works. Like I don't, I, this, this may be controversial for some people, but I don't believe in the idea of sobriety. I think if you have to completely avoid something for your entire life, even if you're not using it, it still has quite a bit of control over your life. You know what I mean? And experiential mm -hmm. avoidance, more broadly speaking, not thinking about something. What, what's the old military phrase? Bad news doesn't get better with time. You know what I mean? Like you've mm -hmm. got to fix that shit now because downstream, yeah. I mean, think it, you're a sniper. You know how it is. A very small uh, error on your part, 2000 meters down is going to be a big error, right? Yeah. And that's how it is, right? We mm. don't see the 2000 meters all the time, uh, in this thing called life. You, you, yeah. you nailed it, man. Of alcohol can have its place as what we call an altered state of consciousness mm. where you feel better for a little bit and it changes your mind for a little bit. It doesn't, you don't do that every single day until your neural anatomy starts calcifying and mm. fucking disintegrating. Um, that's where like things like plant medicines are really great. Um, we started a program called Citizen Green um, up in Canada, and we're going to roll it out in the U.S. Where um, it's it's designed to do these things. It's designed to help s troops transition 
It's designed to help them find purpose and identity and learn about post-traumatic growth and anti-PTSD measures. And also if they are working with PTSD, how to cope with it. But we fold in medical cannabis with it and how to use that to do these things because, you know, nature does give us some tools that we can use to our benefit to help break these patterns that are not going to serve us. And that's the thing with the shadow is it's going to hide out. It's hiding behind there where you can't just look, right? It puts up the blinders and it makes it very hard. And, um, you know, you touched on something, uh, we, we call it decompression. You guys, I know use the same thing mm -hmm. a decompression. You come back from a tour and you decompress for 20 minutes and you know, your tour is all got it. It's mm -hmm. like the nervous system requires great amounts of decompression you know that's what's cool about now like with hrv and stuff like that we can see like no man you need more time off okay now you're ready to stress your yeah. nervous system again i mean it's you almost and, it's almost you need half the time off that you were exposed to stress is a, is a pretty good uh, uh multiplier i guess divisor in that in that equation but yeah you, you know what I, I i would say one to one um yeah. well that's like, never really happen, like though, right <laughs> it'll it'll never happen yeah. no you're right it, um they they won't weigh someone's life and the long-term effects of it because like if you take soldier a gets ptsd leaves the military even if he becomes homeless he's going to impact people around him the world around him you know we don't know how to measure those kinds of things um and then you you, you kind of touched on one that is difficult to take with you which is called moral wounding where yeah maybe you acted in accordance but once you step back and you start to look at the whole picture it's like well who's Whose pocketbook's getting lined here? Yeah, it's you know? interesting. Like, like when you start to weigh that, because yeah. it's it's a different wound than PTSD. It's it's yeah. a different set of parameters, and, and we we have this, wrestle with it differently. We've got this idea that the moral injury comes from uh, doing your job, like killing people in combat. Now, I've never personally ex experienced that type of moral injury, but on a broader scale, it it was what you're describing right now. It's that. We fucking wrecked all these places, and uh, I never had a problem doing it at the time. But looking back on it, it was a mistake. You know what I mean? And we're responsible yeah. for that to some degree. That is a much greater moral injury to me than getting in a gunfight and somebody you know happens to get killed that maybe shouldn't have. That's that's war. That shit happens. I can contextualize that. What I can't contextualize is all of my effort, all of my buddies' effort, uh, and our losses and their losses for what purpose right there's got to be some kind of reason to do all this shit yeah and that i think as, as long as we continue to remain isolated as a global community uh we're going to do that because if we weigh our needs in isolation and not the needs of other people um that's what's going to happen we you know like i, I like take a moment to step back like mm. i i get it being the u.s with your foreign policy uh is is you know let's call it a nightmare maybe i don't know yeah. um yeah. like it like suboptimal we'll say that it's suboptimal but it's also this responsibility that i don't think one country should have you know mm. but let's see like why do we do it why do we keep it like that probably because of fear because of loss because we don't want to um have to sacrifice um prosperity you know like i, I could tell you as a canadian that most canadians ain't going to give up their 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not their their station in life, but their their no, anyways, their prosperity. Mm -hmm. You know, like because we know there's hungry people in the world, and yet we still try to squirrel away as much ducats in the bank as possible. You know, like, um, but again, like it, it's it's a it's a big issue. But I, I'm not really scared of it. I think that uh, we are finally 
you know, people such as yourself having this conversation, uh, putting yourself, you, you, maybe some of it's anecdotal, some of it, you know, you and I both know would be what we'd call truth, mm. you know, versus being a fact. Uh, but this is what has to happen. It has to be the true exploration of conversation. And then we have to truly be able to implement these things. That's one of the things that I don't think we're so good at is um, busting down those those old principles. There's yeah. a, there's a, a great myth in uh, Egypt, uh, the myth of Osiris. And mm -hmm. like 15,000 years ago, he was one of their first gods. And he was kind of like the god of life and death and whatnot. Um, but literally at a certain point, they sent... The, like the story changed and they sent Osiris down the river and he went down the river and he was disembodied, you know, and grew back through kind of like a tree of life concept and then came back. And then the priest would use him now for this new construct. The new construct was Pharaoh sits at the top and this God myth helps um, perpetuate that. That's what we got to look at. What are the myths? We, we, you know, we use the term memes now, things like that mm. behavior that's passed on, but what are the myths that we're using that are actually kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, especially long-term as a species, you know, um, I, I, I won't pretend to know what they are or know all of them. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, a group chat, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I like think, I think text thread, one of them, one of them that's kind of dominated Western culture for the past couple of decades is this idea of self-care. And I don't mean that to say or suggest that you shouldn't take care of yourself. I mean, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you're a purpose-driven kind of person, you want to you you need to be you need to be 120 percent. You need to be able to spend 20 percent getting to the X, and then spend 100 percent on the X. You know what I mean? Um, so certainly you should be prepared for that. But this idea that um, somehow me and my experience through life is more important than other people, I think that's fucked. Uh, every important thing you ever do in your life will be in the service of other people. That's that's a that is not a truth. That's a fact, in my opinion. Which is a, a fact, in my opinion, I guess is a truth. But um, we are incredibly myopic in the West. You know, one of the one of the big issues we've had fighting Islamic fundamentalism is that people like that think in terms of a hundred or a thousand years. You know what I mean? They just want to move. Mm -hmm. They're like a running back. They want to move the ball forward a little bit each each generation and hope that that works mm -hmm. out. In the West. Um, and it hasn't always been this way, but in the West right now, we definitely think in terms of five to 10 years or maybe just our own lives. It wasn't always like that. People that came here from Europe uh, through Ellis Island, they didn't think that way. They worked their ass off knowing that their station in life was going to suck their whole life, just hoping that it would be a little bit better for their kids and then a little bit better for their kids and so on and so forth. Now, that is the that that is very baseline biological programming. I've talked to Brett Weinstein about this or uh, uh a bunch of times um, we have this idea it's very reductive that the purpose of the purpose of life or whatever is to propagate your DNA as much as possible but the reality is and you see this in animal behavior you see it in plant behavior you see it in uh, human behavior is that you're not it, the purpose is not just to propagate your DNA the purpose is to propagate it as far into the future as possible right and that's why we build civilizations, because if otherwise we would all just be Genghis Khan. You know what I mean? Just fucking every chance we got. Put, put seed in every belly. Um, but even Genghis Khan built the largest group of human beings under one flag in the history of humanity, today included, right? Like nobody's ever done what he did before, at least uh, landmass or pop percentage of the population-wise. The reason we do this stuff 
is it should be telling. You know what I mean? We 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 think that the answers are somehow in the future, but the answers are almost always in the past. Everybody is reading, you know, ancient literature now. Everybody's talking about Stoics and things like this. Like, yeah, that was pretty obvious. We should have been doing that this whole fucking time. Why do we continue to unsolve problems we've solved and then? Uh, you know, celebrate ourselves when we solve them again using 2,000-year-old texts. It's very, like, our, our level of hubris is incredible. The idea that we can manufacture in a lab treatments that no, nature didn't provide for us already seems pretty goddamn stupid to me, right? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that's, that's just one man's opinion, but it, is it, do you think it's coincidence that we live on a planet where the vast majority of plant life produces the one gas that we need to breathe to stay alive no that's not a fucking coincidence you know what i mean like so the, the answers we, we, are there. we don't even have to like go into the realms of hyper esoteric which i do like exploring mm. um, because we just don't know we can look really not at a reductionist way but like at a practical way um that all these things are true and that, that's what i meant about a species that actually when eve bit the apple you know we we or when Prometheus gave us the mm. torch and said, here, you guys go with it. This is, this is what I think. This is like, I subscribe to something called complexity theory. I'll take the DNA thing even a little bit further. The universe is complexifying, you know, I'm not really a big bang kind of guy, like where, you know, mathematically the, the universe was a ball and it exploded. Mm. I, I don't really buy into that. Um, I think it's been entropically breathing, expanding and contracting much longer than that. But one thing that is certain, the subatomic particle became more complex and lasted longer when it became an atom. Mm -hmm. Most atoms on the periodic table of elements survive longer. They exist in what we call order, a low entropic state longer when they pair with another one. And if we add to that chain into things like collagen, a bigger, longer peptide chain, mm -hmm. it lasts for 80,000 years in the right environments, you know, not in our bones because we beat the fuck out of it. Right. Um, but it can last that because it becomes more stable. Now we keep going. Eventually we create something. The universe reaches a complexity level called DNA. You know, we share a lot of the same DNA, you and I, mm -hmm. even if you were completely from just Africa or whatnot, you know what I mean? We would still share a lot of a common uh, story of complexity. And then each time we go up the organizational unit, eventually getting to the most organized, <laughs> Uh, slash disorganized uh, thing that we know of in the universe, you and I, people, you know, hyper excellent at problem solving and whatnot. Um, we've, we're adding the complexity. And I think that's, go back to Prometheus giving us the torch. The universe wants us to manage entropic states. You're, you're, there isn't, like you said, coincidence is literally mathematically impossible. Nonlinear dynamic, these things can't resolve these. Like nothing in the quantum level or the most highly like edge of the black hole there's a math change coincidence are just mathematically impossible and i think that's what we're actually supposed to do as a species we're supposed to come to terms that we're supposed to add to the level of consciousness of the universe because everything in the universe has a measurable level of consciousness how many feedback loops it can handle from the smallest fucking energy field onwards and we are a representation of that um because like really I'm not saying there's nothing above us, Dan, in that statement. Like you said about hubris, you know, I'm very careful about pulling out the sword of truth. Um, but we have been given a massive responsibility. And I don't know if we fucked it up, but I do, like I said earlier on, I do believe we should be much more intentional with it. And like I said, it starts with someone realizing that they're the hero of their journey. 
that they're not crippled into submission by the systems and the circumstances around them, which you call victimhood. Mm. Whether you're the villain or the victim, one is just more reactive than the other. Uh, hoist that aboard. Ask yourself the question. And again, I'm not saying like yourself, but the general mm. yourself. What am I doing to contribute to the problem? And change it. You know, we're not fucking squirrels. We don't got to run the same routines all the time. We we can gather in this stuff and we do a bit by bit, right? Mm -hmm. Start where you are, use what you got, do what you can, rinse and repeat. Um, and that's the basic simplified road to enlightenment, you know, and it's not some fucking unattainable thing. It's not some source of magic. It's just, you know, it's just developing your brain, organizing it uh, a little bit more intentionally. That was one of the things they discovered about Einstein's mind is they expected it to be filled with neurons that no one else like had in levels we never had, but really his, his pruning tools within his brain were just better than most people's because he organized his thoughts more. Yeah. There's a good trope and, about that. in some of Arthur Conan Doyle's writings about Sherlock Holmes where, uh, and this is, this is, I guess some of, some of them were written concurrent with Einstein's popularity, but most of them came before and he talked about, like, there's this one, I can't remember which book it was in, but there's this one trope where he doesn't know some very basic fact about science or something like that, but it's completely irrelevant to his life or being a detective, so he just doesn't care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and it, they're kind of giving him shit for it. He's like, I, how does that help me? I don't give a fuck about that. Um, mm -hmm. Some people don't have that ability, and, and we're, we're overstimulated now, for sure. I mean, and not in a good way, right? <laughs> it's not like we're overstimulated with learning new skills and shit. We're overstimulated with bullshit. And it's shortening our attention span. So that's go back, right? It's shaping our attention. Therefore, it's completely altering our behavior up top. But it works both ways, right? You change your behavior, you change your attention patterns. You change your attention patterns, you change your behavior. I do uh, some of the work, you know, a small little exercise, what I call an attention audit. Walk through your life, you know, start with an hour. What sensory inputs? Just start with the five basic senses. Don't even worry about you know, the more complex ones that we don't really interact with, like thermodynamic regulation and mm -hmm. whatnot, proprioception, things like that. Just your five basic senses. And what is being absorbed? Do you need this thing? Start on a material plane. Then look at the people around you. Start really looking at what's getting your attention on a conscious level. And as you do that, you'll shape it. And what is being absorbed on an unconscious or subconscious, maybe not unconscious level, um, will start to reveal itself. You know, it's that uh, the raw is it, uh, activation, your reticulated mm -hmm. activating system kind of theory, right? Where you're activating it to see these things. And the more you do that, guess what? The more it happens. And the more you do that, the more it happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, you become what, you know, a dilated person. You mm -hmm. know, I don't want to use terms like awake and whatnot because I think those are silly. But yeah, yeah. you raise your situational awareness. You know, we're yeah. on a more of a, a guy with a gun on his desk. So yeah, you know, we raise our, our situational awareness. Mm -hmm. We raise our ability to move through our environment properly. And yeah, you know, sometimes it takes being a warrior and a survivor. And sometimes it takes being a fucking poet and a magician. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it takes being the king and whatever other, you know, cheesy little attribute we want to put on men. But it's true. Um, yeah, it is. And it's, it you know, starts to shape it. It's not only does it start to shape it, but it, you start to shape it consciously because during that process, you're making value judgments. And, and you know, to be honest, um, doing an audit of your life, very frequently, you're going to be embarrassed, disgusted, pissed off with the results. And, you know, those are very useful tools, right? Because 
just like touching a hot stove, looking at your own behavior and being disgusted can be a very powerful way to change that bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, and to your point before about, you know, finding out these, finding these ways to contribute and shit, you know, uh, one of the things that I like to say about that is that you shouldn't keep track of what you're owed. Um, instead, you should keep track of what you owed uh, to others and, and find opportunities to pay that debt back. I think that's usually how people find their purpose. Uh, another way I've said it is um, if you can turn your pain and suffering to, into empathy for other people, chances are you can save two lives, yours and theirs, right? Because that's who we are as people. We're problem solvers and we're, we're members of communities. That's how we operate on, on a psychic level. That's how we operate. We can feel each other's pain even before it's articulated. You know what I mean? And it's because well, we share beings, right? Yeah. We share common experience as well. So it's at every possible level from, you know, uh, uh, quantum entanglement all the way up to just, you know, being in the same room as somebody and sharing mm -hmm. uh, 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 similar stories and stuff like that. You talked about, um, you know, human civilization and how um, how a few people throughout human history have found a way to, to harness to some degree, this idea of, of love and community. Um, and just think about human civilization, even a lot of animal civilizations. Uh, you look at how the ideas of like pair bonding and community development, parenthood play a role in your life. And uh, it's, I think it's a very practical methodology. Whenever you're, like if you're a baseball player and you're striking out a lot, chances are you need to go into the batting cage, but you don't go swing as hard as you can every time you break your you break it down to fundamentals now the fundamentals of life we call principles typically so what are those principles that these guys who seem to do a pretty good job of ignoring bullshit and focusing on things that matter um i think we have again the west likes to to be reductive quite a bit and maybe maybe all human beings do but certainly the west does and try to package microwave package some of these ideas one of them that we've done that to is this idea of passive resistance. You mentioned both Gandhi and Martin Luther King, but the, the principle is actually called Satyagraha and it doesn't mean passive resistance. What it means is I'm going to do what I think is right and accept the consequences for that, right? That's what it means in the original, uh, uh translation, which is, so yes, yeah, sit in, do a sit in, refuse to go to the back of the bus, whatever it is, but you're, you're accepting the consequences for that because you realize that that contribution, that willful act of denying authoritarianism has a broader benefit to the community, right? And if you think about that mm -hmm. in every part of your life, how, how is what I'm doing? It's easy when you're a parent. Now, it's not easy, but it's, it's more obvious when you're a parent or you're a leader in the military or something like that, how your everyday actions impact other people. But uh, you know, no different than the bystander effect. If the more people that are there watching something crazy happen, the less likely somebody is to do something about it until somebody does something about it and then other people start doing something as well. We are in desperate need of leadership in, in the West, yeah. desperate need of leadership. Yeah, it's uh, yeah the herd mentality for sure. Um, but I, I like, oh, man. I love it because touching on so much just like mm. the meat and potatoes of what it means to be a human being. And like you said, why are we already having this kind of somewhat philosophical talk again? Mm. Socrates talked about this. You know, why are we doing it? And you said it right now. People are stifled into submission. And that's 
you know, uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is, is about that. And that's why it's really actually quite simple. Go into your dark spots, bring it back as a, um, a token, an elixir for the community around you. Rinse and repeat. It's that simple because that's what these people did. They all went through deep, dark challenges. They've mastered their fear. They didn't fight it. They didn't um, learn to navigate it. They mastered it so that they could bring in what uh, Hawkins calls power, which is the love force. So on one side, he calls it force, which is a fear-based projection, which is, we'll call it kind of movement without awareness. Power is movement with awareness, with an understanding, a closer understanding of consequence, right? Because um, we are but human, so we don't know the forever impact, but we know we can make assessments like this will be for the greatest amount of people for the greatest amount of time, you know, do the greatest amount of good, this move. Okay, I'll mm -hmm. do that. We can weigh that. We have that difference engine in our head. Um, just uh, like I said, I, I think the truth is, and, and I, you know what, I'll even, I'll even call out men on this. I think there's just a lot of weak men. That's what there is. I've been traveling across the U.S. and one of the interesting things is um, been having this conversation and maybe it's perpetuated by me and where I'm at, but it's the concept of protection, the perimeter that men set. Now, a lot of men take the perimeter and they kind of like, you know, like, like a glass jar over their family. Like that's the protection. That's the perimeter. And what happens is, is it just isolates the family, the feminine energies and children from being children. Um, but it's different. It's a psychological concept. You know what I mean? And it takes it like we saw it during COVID. How many spines shriveled up and fucking mm. tuck tail and ran? Just about everybody. Yeah. Just about everybody. Um, well, we call it, you know, in psychology, we call that Ken selection, right? It's how it's part of it is biological. Part of it is DNA. Like, you know, and there's these little tricks that nature does. The reason that uh, male genes happen to be a little bit more dominant these days particularly in facial features early on in childhood is because nature figured out through you know trial and error i guess that if uh you know if a if a monkey saw a baby that didn't look like him he was going to tear his fucking head off so now particularly in the first six to 18 months of a child's life the the genes that shape their face in particular are more dominant from the male side makes sense right it happened that way because those children survived more throughout history but you know, there are all these other little opportunities, I guess, for that to happen, for uh, for us to understand what our or what the purpose is in, in this process of kin selection now, as we become upper brain mammalians, you get to decide, you know what I mean? And it isn't our always behavior backtracks yeah, towards yeah. those impacts. And it's yeah. not it's not always conscious either. It's subconscious. But part of that subconscious decision to decide which like for military people, it's like my country is my family. I'm going to go protect my family. You know what I mean? Uh, but for some people, for some people that have done it better than others, they think that all men are their family. You know what I mean? And when I think about myself moving around through space and time like this, it's almost like there's a bubble around me and anybody that comes into that bubble that thinks like I do. Uh, and that is, that isn't, that doesn't mean politically. I just mean things like I do in the with regard to protecting life and things like that. That's part of my family, right? So this just imagine yourself walking around with I don't I don't know how you would even describe it. Just a big bubble around you, hundred foot bubble. And anybody that's in that hundred foot bubble, that's part of my family right now. You know what I mean? I think that's a good way to think about things because we have a tendency and it's something that's that helped us in survival 
back in the day, I guess, but we have this tendency to see somebody that looks a little bit different than us. Like, oh, that must be, and it doesn't happen in your brain. You don't say like, oh, that guy's different. Fuck him. You know what I mean? Your brain says that guy's different. Keep an eye on him. And that's not a bad thing. Like uh, <laughs> when I was in the military and, and government service, I call it the who dies first guy, right? If I'm on patrol or something and something, I'm just looking around all the time. Like if something loud happens, that motherfucker's going to die because he looks suspicious as shit. Um, you know, in, in, in the Middle East and shit, it's pretty obvious. It's a guy with a fucking cell phone peeking around a corner or somebody with a gun or something like that. But we do that subconsciously in life all the time. We make these rapid, instant value judgments about people. But it's all based on the epistemology that we've agreed upon and allowed to infiltrate our mind. You know what I mean? We build these structures inside of our mind about what's good and what's bad. And if you leave it just to your brain and to your life experience to do that, you're going to get some pretty stupid results sometimes. But you can be intentional about it. You know what I mean? It's very easy and, as you said, possible to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the structures. That's yes. It's all so in human truth, I think a simple way to look at it is is it's always yes and. And, you know, there are no absolutes and we don't know, right? Mm. Because it's going to evolve. That's the idea. We're we're evolutionary people. But he's mentioned structures. That's why pride is a, actually an issue because pride creates an us and them. It automatically creates an us and them. And when you create us and them, you're creating us and them and you're putting them outside of that. Now, as you said, we're not quite ready to walk around the world where, I was like, fuck man, like Jesus level love where everyone's yeah. getting the same exact treatment. But even him, you know, he had different treatment for the Romans. You know, he was flipping tables and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, we're not quite there, but that's why like a collective issue, but or uh, effort. Um, but for us, that's, I think the environment is actually even stronger. The environment we create presses those structures in our mind more, um, more than I think we really imagine right now. Uh, that, that's my my estimate on it. Uh, I see it. I use it as part of my programs. Um, changing the environment is always a wormhole to growth. Now, what you do in that environment, there is many, many, many magical things we can do in that environment. You know, one. Uh, the environment of an operator turns a, a lump of clay into an operator. You're, mm. You know, you're not born there. You know, you do find some traits that you develop along the road that make you a more likely candidate. Um, but it's the system, it's those systems around you that hammer you in and then construct your, your brain. That's, that's what we are. We're a difference engine on one mm. side, but then we're the opposite of that, where we're going to move into our environment. We're going to soak it up and we're going to allow it to create us. That's what we do. Um, cause it's, it's a really, it's a great survival strategy. Yeah. The only thing is, is, um, most of it right now is built off those fear-based paradigms, mm. um, where, they were they were systems they're just too old now mm. we, we have to look at changing and i don't think it's got to be violent you know i don't think it's got to be all fucking i would hope it doesn't have to be I, I would hope that it would be this this courageous step that was like one good thing about covid was the world stood still for a little bit and we fucking made it through mm. you know it was like okay so we can be intentional about the way we go we don't have to keep running on the fucking hamster wheel that's insanity that is the literal definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for a different outcome or like, are we just all a bunch of insane people? I don't think so. You know, cause how many people do you have conversations uh, like this with a lot? Mm. Yeah. There's, it's out there's there, quite you know? a few and there's quite a few people listening to the conversations as well, which is always heartening. I mean, um, I think uh, th this idea of, of molding and shaping something into something else 
like a character or a personality or, you know, just the whatever, whatever it, everything is that makes up a human being or a conscious being or something like that. We, we, we treat that in such a shallow way these days. You know what I mean? I mean, everybody wants a quick fix for it for sure. But um, I think about the, my concern, aside from just, you know, trying to get people more broadly speaking into a better mindset about this stuff and taking responsibility for their own existence in the world, um, is how we operate going forward, particularly when it comes, because look, bad guys aren't going away anytime soon. Um, and, uh, you know, the best solution for people that prey on other people is to put them in the fucking ground so far as I'm concerned, but that's a hard job to do. It's hard to fucking in the modern world. It's hard to go from that job and back to your family and then back to that job and then back to your family over and over. Um, and there is a process like any other weapon. Sometimes you got to sharpen your fucking knives. Sometimes you got to take your knife out of the rotation and, and sharpen it. You got to send it off to the factory for a laser sharpening. Sometimes you got to put new parts on your gun. You know what I mean? It's just like any other tool. And if we're going to use ourselves as tools, whether it be, you know, in the pursuit of violent ventures to protect other people or whether it's, you know, counseling other people, whatever it is, your job, you need, you need to take the time to make sure that you're, that, that, that you're recovering from that stuff, I think. You know what I mean? It's not easy. And it might not be possible. I've had this conversation with a lot of operators. I'm not sure if there's enough highly qualified and capable people to do that job and cycle people out in a way like you talked about with a one-to-one. I just don't know that that's ever going to be possible. So we, it, we may just have to – our community may just have to eat that, to be honest. But it is well, here, what it is, I, right? I, so I – I, I don't really like to do it is what it is. Dan. Uh, I'm, an, uh, I'm an optimist, you know? So you know where it begins? The cycle begins at the beginning when we pick people. So hopefully after this fucking Ukraine-Russia thing, um, the world is like, okay, we're fucking done with this mass movement of trying to violently take over land and whatnot, you know? Way to go. This is This has been really fun. But at the front end, you pick people more properly and you create true expeditionary forces. Um, I... The argument of destroying a life, you know, we won't get into it now and who makes that decision, kind of the ultimate decision uh, and what's the values backing it is a big conversation. Mm. But let's just say, yes, we have psychologically damaged people enough that we still have what are called bad guys. Okay. Expeditionary, small forces, highly trained, highly capable, highly selected. And then, you know, give them a shelf life, give it, you know, seven years, whatever. And then you fucking, you don't put them out to pasture, you undo it. You undo that neural anatomy. You help them build that story. Because mm -hmm. if we do it more intentionally, then the moral wounds will be way less. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to sharpen that knife way more appropriately. And then we'll be able to holster it up a lot better on the other end. No, yeah, um, yeah, not just holster it up, but have it available in, in not just that same way, but more, I think, more appropriately. And, you know, it, it, if you look at native culture, um, people didn't stay warriors forever. They became grandparents at some point and they retired mm -hmm. to become elders of the community and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it is, it is a very valuable trait to be able to survive and thrive in chaos because chaos does happen sometimes, whether it's, you know, natural disasters or some other kind of bullshit, you know, sometimes things just go wrong and having people that, are just part of the community that can not just thrive, but lead in that situation. It seems like we would have done a better job, not protecting that asset, but making sure that it's 
ready for the next one. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, you go through these stages in life when I'm 18, I can do whatever the fuck I want at 30. It's like, all right, I'm a little slower at 40. I'm like, all right, everything hurts now. Um, and I assume at 50 and 60, it's going to hurt a little worse, but I like, if shit goes sideways right now, I'm going to be just fine. And I think that's, uh, it's very useful for a fucking civilization to have people like that floating around and treating them as if they don't matter anymore is fucking stupid. Yeah, I, I would back up and I would say that we should teach all kids how to handle chaos. Sure. The fact is, is the universe, even on Earth, it's organizing differently, but the universe is actually becoming more entropic. And entropy is just a measure of chaos and order, mm. you know, kind of like for conversation's sake. It's becoming more chaotic. And after we overcome this predicament that society's in, guess what? The universe is going to have a new fucking challenge. You know what I mean? Like there is not going to be a new, uh, a perfect utopia because mm. then we're going to have to like, whatever come with the challenges of moving out of the green belt closer to our sun or whatever you know what i mean there'll be challenges but we'll we'll just learn how to handle that chaos better um because that's like that's like the the gift the operator has is operating in chaos mm -hmm. you know yeah. taking some principles like you said some basics um and then knowing how to handle that and most of it is like it's not magic man it's fucking stress management mm -hmm. it's it's learning the tools it's, it's how to, uh, the way i divide up post-traumatic growth is um, kind of like pre-event, event, and then post-event. Very similar to like a military op, right? You do your workups, your training, your preparation, you go through the op, and then you after action it. And in between there, there's a lot of little steps. But if we look at life as those things happening all the time and in multiple ways, right? Because we're running these feedback loops, um, you just start to get a little bit of a better ability to manage it. Um, but yeah, the it's a funny conversation right putting your warriors out the pasture and not giving a fuck about mm -hmm. them as if like and 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 then they'll throw terms like well money's an issue you mean this concept that we print out is an issue we can't we can't conceptualize a bit of a solution here you know what i mean like um because like there's one fact man and uh i might take some grief for this but ptsd is when you come out of it, which it is 100% possible, mm. it's not as if that goes away, right? It's just your capacity is expanded. That's what we do. We stress ourselves, we adapt, and then we extend our capacity. Um, that's the gift. That's that's the that's the why we do that, right? As a warrior, okay, I'll fucking plunge my hands in the muck. Um, when I come back, though, maybe I could use a little bit of help. Maybe we could talk about this a little bit differently. Maybe we don't just worry about it in a monetized way, you know? Um, that's been one of the challenges we had with Citizen Green was like, okay, there's a lot of warriors uh, using medical cannabis, but they got to pay for it. Okay, well, how do we work it into the system to at least get them a highly discounted rate and then into free programming, you know? Um, so we're super like excited about that because it, it doesn't seem like, you know, there's there's people trying and it's and it's good. It's efforts. It's raising awareness. And there are people with some great solutions. Um, but it just gets a little disheartening every time you go to a corner and it's like, hey, man, I'm a vet. You know, mm some money so i can eat like you know yeah. there's no way they're going to pull themselves out of that without their basic needs met so sure it's yeah and without a purpose too i mean that that goes to what i was saying before it's like that person isn't just uh, for uh, it seems like we we view them as a burden a lot of times um but it's not that's not not the reality of the situation the, the situation is that they're typically a value add you just got to point them in the right direction you know what i mean um, and it's, yeah. which, which makes it even dumber that we're not doing that. We're, we're all like <laughs> our entire, the enti entirety of North America 
well, I guess not Mexico so much, but definitely the United States and Canada suffers because we don't use these people properly. And they want to be used. You know what I mean? All they want is to have fucking purpose that they can fulfill in their life. And instead, we're like, oh, you're okay, buddy, and pat them on the back and send them on their way. No, you grab that motherfucker by the chin strap and say, look, bitch, it's time to get some work done. Because that's what we respond to. We don't respond to being coddled. It just doesn't work. And I, and I don't... At, at what point in any human history has the warrior class been coddled like this before? It's so bizarre to me that this is the way we've decided to do it. Usually what happens is uh, the ruling class or whoever it is gives them land to farm afterwards. That's been the, um, the, the decided choice from Asian, European, and, and Western culture, generally speaking, but uh, particularly the two largest Asian and European cultures throughout all of human history. That's been how it works, right? When, when Caesar conquers Gaul, he gives some of the land to his people, to his fucking soldiers. You know what I mean? That's how it works. Now it's just like, um, you know, here's, here's, some, uh, here's a pat on the back and some fucking free money from the VA or whatever the fuck it is. Like, that doesn't work, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, you said it. Just look around of what can be of service. And then, like, an interesting fact, you, you didn't say it as a fact, but you touched on it. Uh, one of the things that uh, I use in the programming is stress and fear stress and fear has a really two things we learn super quick from extreme stress and mm. extreme love when we fall deeply in love we change very quickly when we experience something very stressful we change very quickly the cool thing about stress is it can be used as a way to open up that door and then backfill it so like you said like the homeless guy you know most people they look at a homeless person and be like okay that's not exactly thriving you know that's not the life i want mm. um but if you go and you start choking that person, they'll probably fight for survival, right, almost yeah. certainly. Because like you said, as soon as stress gets in, your body activates, it reacts to it. We're, it's like the willow in the wind, you know, it gets some stress. Mm. Oh, fuck, I got to adapt and get a little stronger. It, we, we do that. We're, we're, we respond to tropisms like that. So why not put them into a position that has a little bit more? Uh, I was talking to a guy who was telling me that in the U.S., you guys, uh, most of the park service was built by this kind of core that they, I can't remember what he called it. Uh, but they brought in, it was kind of similar to a military-esque, but uh, it was it was like a, an obligation to the to your country almost, mm. where you go and you help build these trails and whatnot, a bit physical labor, a little bit of routine and whatnot. Um, but what's cool about that is like in the military, we backfill that with soldierly stuff, how to kill people, how mm. to hunt people, how to insert, and, you know, that. But you can backfill that with other concepts of how to be more human, how to be more connected, how to enjoy your time more, how to be, um, how to treat your body in a more healthy way. Mm. You know what I mean? So that you set these conditions because we're very good at um, being conditioned. We yeah. really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's how it works. Uh, look, before we get out of here, um, tell us about Citizen Green and what it does. And if people are in, uh, uh, I guess, wherever it's available right now, how they can get in touch with you about it. And then give me a little brief on Dark Night of Our Soul, your documentary. Yeah, I'd love to. And I appreciate uh, the mm -hmm. space to do that, Dan. Um, so Citizen Green, uh, we start, we're starting up in Canada at the end of this month. You can find us at right now, the specialforcesexperience.com. Uh, and then just head down the Citizen Green rabbit hole. This is for the Canadians right now who have medical cannabis covered. Uh, you purchase through a certain company. And once you purchase through that company at no cost to yourself, you're automatically given a code to enter into our programming, uh, which is certainly top notch. 
shortly after for the American soldiers um, who are busy trying to chase around the discounts, we found a way through blockchain and uh, non-fungible tokens and things of that nature and couponing to offer a s- consistent uh, discount through certain growers so you don't have to chase it. Uh, until you know like the VA or uh, we get enough funding or you know your your insurance starts to cover it and as soon as you start purchasing through those companies uh, you're automatically able to enter into the course where we'll have community we'll have purpose we're going to do operations we're going to do those kinds of things that you talked about where we're looking at the holistic picture Uh, and then uh, dark night of our soul starting May 11th we're going to start our impact campaign please do come and check it out this is how we're going to start actioning change these are tools not just for the extremely stressed they're literally for everybody um, and you can find us at posttraumaticgrowth.film or again the specialforceexperience.com and head down the rabbit hole uh, we're going to start doing viewings of a short film and um so we can finish this thing up we're we're on its last legs but it's been all out of my pocket and um i could use a little help to take it to uh, the last little bit it turns out the film industry is not cheap they're not giving mm-hmm. away this stuff um but again uh, one feeds into the other, and then we're able to continue these uh, these programs. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, describing all of that and, and the stuff you do for the community. Um, you know, it is uh, not everybody's going to do what you do, but there is purpose out there for everybody. I mean, I, I take take it to the very I, one of the principles of uh, of this show is you know do something every day to help your country, your countrymen, or all men. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff out there. It's you don't have to save the fucking world. All you got to do is do your part. Sometimes it's just eat healthy for a day or something. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, like let's not overcomplicate it. If you yeah. can show up better for your mankind, because um, yeah. like you said, I, when you start at zero, it's a big lift to go right to helping a giant community. Um, but yeah, yeah, I well, love it. Look, I appreciate you coming today, and I appreciate the conversation. Uh, uh, it's been. Uh, you know, enlightening. I enjoy this. Hopefully you guys got some out of it as well. Yeah, my pleasure, Dan. Yes, sir. And thank you all for uh, listening. This has been Citizen.